Today we're going to unwrap Jesus, and our master text that I want to talk to you about is John 1, chapter 1. And throughout this series, I'm going to take a little bit of the Christmas story uh, in our unwrap series. I'm going to take a little bit of that each Sunday. But this week, God kind of prompted me to do John chapter 1, verse 1, is our master text. And I want to read that to you, and it says, In the beginning, say, in the beginning, before all time was the Word. The Word is Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God himself. He was present originally with God. All things were made and came into existence through him, and without him was not even one thing made that has come into being. So why did I choose that text? Because if you read in Genesis, it says in the beginning, correct? What did God do? Created, but how did he create? He did what? He spoke. In the, in the beginning... God spoke. What you'll see all throughout Scripture in the New Testament is that Jesus is actually the living Word. He is God's Word made flesh. John chapter 1 verse 14 expounds on this, and I want to read that one to you too. It says, John chapter 1 verse 14, The Word Christ became flesh, human, incarnate, and tabernacled, fixed his tent of flesh, and live a while among us. Now, this on the... This time of year, when we look at Christ, when we look at the Christmas narrative, we see all the Christmas decorations, all the things going on around us. We always envision Jesus as that little baby, which is true. But I want you to grab a larger view of the Christmas narrative. I want you to think about this for a second. That the God of the universe, the God of the universe, who, is, who has always been, who always will be, who has all power at his fingertips, who can do anything, be anywhere... He chose to insert himself 2,000 years ago in this little manger setting where animals do their thing, right? He entered our mess to set us free. Now, we've heard that story. We understand that story. But I want you to unwrap Jesus today in a special way because I want you to understand not only the cost of what he did for us, but the freedom that he purchased for you and the way we are to receive him. And the word receive, I want you to receive the word made flesh today. Say receive. I'm going to receive today. Because here's the problem, folks. In this Christmas season, we're really good shoppers. We'll go nuts for giving a gift. But you are absolute terrible receivers. Am I being a little accusatory? (laughs) Just a little. Here's the thing. And I say that you. I say me too. We are terrible receivers, by and large. Uh, my kids, I'm Marissa, no problem receiving. Just camp on that, because I'm going to go somewhere later with that. Let me give you another example of why Jesus did what he did and what he bought for us. Imagine this little ledge here. Now, this ledge here, imagine there's a trail of ants. And these ants are going to this ledge here, okay? Now, to the ants, that little drop-off is probably like Niagara Falls, Okay? That's, it's like Niagara Falls. So if they fall off that ledge there, if their little group falls off that ledge, they're probably going to fall to their death. Would you agree? Okay, now, here's the deal. For us, we're like those ants. And if God is, God is looking down at us, and imagine, here's the, the, the God of the universe, and I need to communicate with these ants. Well, as a human being looking at those ants, do you think they're going to understand my human language? But what if I became an ant and told him where the cliff was? Maybe I have a chance of reaching him. 
And I'm just trying to give you an imperfect illustration of what God did for us. He became sin for us. He became like an ant for us. He communicated. The word became flesh. And he said, there's a ditch there. There's a ditch there. I don't want you to go there. That's death. That's what our sin does to us. But Jesus came. How many understand? He came to give us life and give it to the full. And to lead us from our death. I know that was an imperfect, imperfect illustration, but to me, God really spoke to me through that because, you know, our view of ourselves, sometimes we, we consider ourselves as ants, but yet the King of Kings and the God of the universe came and showed us in the muck, in the mire, in the manger. He came to us and said, you are precious to me and I'm going to give everything for you. And here's the thing that just blows my mind about the Christmas story is that think about this. The God of the universe had to have diapers changed in a manger, completely dependent on its a teenage mom. Have you guys comprehended that? That's amazing. Imagine you had all power, you could do anything, and you insert yourself in human history. What do you think compels a God to do something like that? It's love. Amen? Love. And God created us in his image. We see that all throughout Genesis. Where am I going with this? A lot of you have heard this before. But there's some revelation today that I don't think some of you have gotten that you need to get at the end of the day. Genesis 1 verse 26 says, God said, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make mankind in our image after our likeness and let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the tame beasts, and over all the earth and over everything that creeps upon the earth. So the key word in there is authority. How many know you have it? If you're a Christ follower, you have authority. I don't see a lot of hands raised up. How many know you have authority? Okay, so what kind of authority do I have? That's the question. Uh, God created man to have authority. I'm going to do this real quick. I'm going to briefly go through the, the, the fall of Adam real quick just to explain to you what we lost and what Jesus bought back. In the garden, Adam sinned. In the garden, he ate a fruit that was, he was told not to. He ate from a tree that he was told not to. In that garden, so did Eve. And in that garden, they lost the authority. See, in Genesis 1, God gave Adam dominion. He gave him authority. He said, you name, you create, you go and do. You, I'm the creator, you go and name it. You take dominion over this earth. And somewhere along the way, see, Eve was deceived, but how many understand Adam was not deceived? He knew exactly what he was doing. And so he commits high treason, and all of a sudden, God has to insert himself into the plan B. And at that point in history, God gave his first prophetic word, and it's Genesis 3, verse 15. And it says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will bruise and tread your head underfoot, and you will lie in wait and bruise his heel. That is the very first prophetic word ever uttered about the manifest word, Jesus Christ, entering human history. The very first prophetic word is talking about Jesus' finished work on the cross to come in the days to come. Now, here's the thing. When we unwrap Jesus, we need to understand, especially when we're talking to people who don't believe Jesus truly is God. Here's the thing you've got to understand. There's over 300 prophetic words in the Old Testament alone. The odds of one man fulfilling all of the prophetic words, all of those things, just eight of those 300, I, I wrote down the zeros. Here's the zeros it would take. I know for 48 of those, 
48, if, for a man to just fulfill 48 of those would be 157 zeros next to the one. I don't know what kind of kajillion that is, but let's just say it's a lot. It's darn near impossible. And so he not only <laughs> fulfilled 48, he fulfilled over 300 of them. Are you getting this? Jesus authenticates the living word. The living word authenticates himself throughout the scripture. Here's a few of them that I want you to get. That Some of these he couldn't even possibly make happen that he, unless he was God, unless it was true, and unless the narrative was true. Here, here's a few of them. First of all, he was born in Bethlehem. He, he, his parents had to construct that under God. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't come up. He was a baby. He came as a baby. And then he was virgin, the virgin birth of Mary, the slaughter of innocent babies in Bethlehem. At that time, Herod put out an APB and said, kill all the babies who wants to... He, he was afraid of losing his kingship because he knew that a Messiah was coming. His predecessor, John the Baptist, would come before him. That was predicted in Scripture. His working address was in Nazareth. That was predicted. His betrayal by Judas for 30 pieces of silver. That was in Scripture. And, of course, his horrific death on the cross, characterized by Isaiah 53, that was in Scripture. All throughout Scripture, as we unwrap Jesus, we unwrap his plan, we unwrap what he came to do. This time of year, people will hear about the Christmas story, they'll hear about the birth, but they don't understand that he was born to die for you and me. Can I get an amen? So... We have authority. Jesus inserts himself in human history because he can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. We have addictions. We have problems. We have failed marriages. We have sicknesses. We have diseases. We have a separation from God. We don't have authority. And Jesus comes on the scene in scripture after scripture, time and again, as he's doing his work. Everywhere they go, they say, who is this man who has this authority? And then here's the kicker in Luke chapter 9 and in in Mark 16 and all throughout scriptures, it shows that Jesus gave us what? Gave us authority. And so as I began to understand throughout the scripture, the authority I have, it wasn't just speaking a word over something and saying, yep, I have authority. That's mine. That doesn't have the power. It's the revelation of Jesus finished work that gives you the power. Let me explain. So, let's say you're in a situation, and you've been striving, and you've been toiling, and you've been praying, and you've been begging, and you've been pleading, and you've been doing all the works, and you've been working hard, and I'm showing up on time, I'm doing everything God wants me to do. I'm doing the formula, and nothing's happened. How many of you have been in that place? Okay, I want you to camp on that for just a second. I'm going to get back to that. I'm going to talk to you about that. But before I do, I want to read another scripture to you because I think this is going to help you understand the, the outwork of the believer's authority. Many of you have heard the believer's authority. I want you to get not only revelation, I want you to operate in it the way God designed it, the way Jesus talked about it. Because how many understand that your works don't get you squat? Hold that thought. Imagine, imagine we're traffic cops, okay? We're traffic cops. I've been backed by my government to enforce the law. These are the rights that you have to enforce, okay? 
But if I let the thief come in and steal my stuff, am I enforcing my rights? We have to enforce our rights. Now, here's what John 1 verse 12 says. But to as many as did receive and welcome him, he gave, notice the word receive, he gave the authority, power, privilege, and right to become the children of God. That is, to those who believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on his name. These are some scriptures I want to throw at you. You can write them down. Mark 16, Luke 9, Luke 10, Colossians 2. They all address the believer's authority. What is that authority? We have authority over sickness and disease. We have authority over demonic oppression. We have authority over lack. We have authority over fear. We have authority over bad mindsets. We have authority over our bodies. I do not have authority over another person's free will. That's called witchcraft. So if you have a boss that is stingy and greedy and doesn't want to give you a dime for your work, how many understand if you're chanting to him that he should die and never make it past second base in his job and you're just, you understand that that's wrong. God can do for you though and work behind the scenes to help you win. What you can enforce over your life is your authority that you can control, the sphere that he gave you control over. The question is, How do you have dominion over yourself? If God gave us dominion over our sin, we need to learn how to operate in that, correct? Okay. Four or five weeks ago, we did a message called Sun Stand Still. I did a survey. I took your prayer requests. I had over 100 requests in there. These were things that you are believing God big for, okay? You know what the top three are? Health, healing, and freedom from sickness, disease, and addiction, over 28% of you. Spouse, relationships, and family salvation, inner working, uh, relational uh, components, 36% of you. Job, career, and financial issues, 25% of you. That's almost 100%. The big three. Here's here's what I want you to see. How many of you have unused Christmas cards? Unused cards from last year. Any of you? Do you have any unused Christmas cards? Gift cards? Gift cards? Gift cards? Okay. I did a little research on this. Last year, after Black Friday, there were uh, $90 billion spent on gift cards last year. $90 billion in the U.S. economy. A month into it, there was still $30 billion unused. At the end of the year, one year later, $10 billion unused gift cards to anything, to Olive Garden, to, you know, theaters to whatever you name it there's a gift card for it here's the what just astounds me that has a balance on it that you can use it was designed for you to use it to cash it and i began to realize that just in the same way that we as we unwrap jesus do you realize that he's given you gifts that we're not cashing that we're not using our gift cards you know why distractions here's one what if you're on your way to olive garden and i mean you're planning a big fiesta i mean hope put on your finest duds we're going to olive garden we got a 75 dollars gift card we're bringing it out we won't bring out the wine because i'm an ex-drunk but we'll do it upright with the olive garden sauce and you know everything else so we, we we're on our way in there and some dude as we're walking out says oh yeah by the way they don't take gift cards here what? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't even walk in. Don't even bother. That's what 
even the church can do to the believers who believe in Christ and his authority. They, they want to operate in that authority, and they have some dude telling them they don't have it. You know why? Because we're terrible receivers. As I was preparing this message this week, at first I thought it was going to be all about the believer's authority, and the Lord switched it and said, uh-uh, nope. You can talk to him about the believer's authority, but I want you to unwrap Jesus, and I want you to tell him this. Was he a work that we earned or a gift that he gave? Let's receive. Are you guys receiving some of this a little bit? Is this starting to unwrap to you a little bit? Okay. All right. Now, Hebrews 4, verse 9. Hebrews 4, verse 9 says, There is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I'm not perfect. How in the world do I do what this scripture said? And it's real simple. The labor is to receive the gift and enter his rest. That's your toil. See, I had mindsets, and and I, I preached this several weeks back. As I see how God's been kind of interweaving all of this. At first, I have to realize that God blessed me at the cross. I'm tapping into it through my obedience. The question is, how do I get to the point where I'm obeying in a manner that he wants me to win? How do I get there? Do I follow the law and I preach the law or do I preach grace and I tap into that grace? Which one is a gift and which one is a work? And so as I began to unveil that, what's interesting is, is that like a good father, the more I received, the more God Gabe, here's, here's the thing. How many of you ever been at a job where you just toil and labor and you feel like a rat on a treadmill? And then one day, one day, God speaks to your spirit. Just one day, one day, all of a sudden. Who told you to toil? And then all of a sudden, Instead of having a five-hour quiet time in the morning because that makes me more spiritual and praying 65 different times a day and doing all the things at church and volunteering for every program and doing everything you can as a Christian to get your blessing. Does that sound exhausting to you, by the way? Why don't you rest in Jesus' finished work and he'll guide you and he'll tell you the next thing and not what other people tell you you need to be doing to tap into the blessing that he already bought for you 2,000 years ago. Amen? Amen. Which one is toil and which one's a gift? Remember, Amarissa, I talked to you about my kids. Let me tell you something. Those kids give me no pushback. Hey, Amarissa, I want to give you, uh, what's one of her big things, Hope? What's her big thing? Barbies. Barbies. They've got, actually, they do. They have like, what, five gazillion types of Barbies these days. And I mean, it, you know, Landon, he's like the big monster trucks. He likes digger trucks. And every time I give him a digger truck, I mean, it's just expected. Oh, thank you, Daddy. I, you know, here's a digger truck. You know, uh, Amarissa, they all play with them. But they have no problem. They don't, you know what they don't say to me? Oh, thank you, Daddy, but you shouldn't have. No, 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 you really shouldn't have. Oh, what can I do for you, Daddy? My kids have no problem receiving good gifts. Now, but like a good daddy, do I give my kids everything they want? 
Of course not. But they never have to worry about their next meal. They never have to worry about, because why? It's all on daddy. They are excellent receivers. The Bible is constant throughout the word. It says, enter the kingdom of God like little children. Rest like, do you think my kids are all stressed out all day? Oh, well, you know, wonder how daddy's going to pay for the WPS bill. And they're just ready for their next Barbie and digger truck. And guys, that's what I'm trying to get you. When we unwrap Jesus and God's present to us, there's work and toil and there's rest. Here's another scripture for you. So we're resting on his. Here's the thing. And as you read, as you read the scripture, what God showed me too is, do you remember the Pharisees and the, all the, the religious people of Jesus' day? Do you remember how they made sure that Jesus knew how good they were and how qualified they were to receive the blessing? You know, every time I read that, I don't see them getting blessed much. Do you? Here, here's who I see getting blessed. The prostitutes, the tax collectors, the addicts, the unclean social misfits, and many other non-religious types all received healing and miracles from Jesus. Why? Because they received. And so here's the, here's the thing that I'm going to tell you. I sometimes, I felt, um, sometimes preaching a message like this gets a little tough because I want to give you the nine-point formula on how to win. And what God's telling me and he's telling you is, if you want to win, unwrap Jesus and rest in him. And if it's five minutes in the morning because he's put somebody or something on your mind to pray for, you pray it right then. But you know what I used to do? If I didn't have one and a half hours of strict quiet time in the morning, followed by a specific praise and worship song and got my religious swagger on, can any of you relate to this? Where you follow the formula all the way through and now I'm pleasing to God and now I can receive? Whose ability am I triumphing in that? Mine or his? I'm actually challenging, I'm actually taking glory for my work to get the blessing that God already wanted to give me as a free gift. This was revelation for me. So my qualification, as I see it in Scripture, my qualification is my lack of qualification. My disqualification. The seven sons of Siva, I won't go into it, but you can read it in the book of Acts. I believe it's chapter 19. These guys wanted to tap into the authority. They wanted everything that I'm talking about. They just didn't want the relationship to make it happen. They wanted a religious formula. They wanted to do the religious work. They said, in the name of Jesus of the person that Paul preached... So they wanted all the benefits, but none of the relationship. And they wanted to work the religious formula because they saw it worked for Paul. How many of you know it doesn't work that way? Personal revelation of Jesus, that's what empowers us in each situation. Sometimes people say to me, well, Ryan, I've got X, Y, and Z. I don't know what to do. And you're looking at me and I'm going, I don't know what to do. Have you checked with God? Uh, No. You guys understanding the difference between rest and toil a little bit? This is important. So you have authority that Jesus bought for us to use. 
So here's the way, I, as I began to understand it in Scripture, more and more as I read the Apostle Paul and his understanding of radical grace, here's what I understand. And it's in Romans 4, verse 4. I'm giving you a lot of scriptures because I think it's important that you get that foundation. Romans 4, verse 4, it says, When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God, who forgives sinners. I say this a lot. I don't place my faith in my faith. I place my faith in Jesus. The more I lift up, God spoke this to me very clearly. He said, in the services, lift up my son, lift up my son, lift up my son, lift up my name, lift up Jesus, which every church should do, lift him up and watch what I do. So the more I magnify the son, the more I give glory to the son, the more I realize it's all about him. The very fact that words are coming out of my mouth and preaching to you is not my work. Do you understand it's his work because he created me? So this word that is coming out of my mouth to you that should be imparting life, if you receive it, if you receive the freedom that comes from the living word, Jesus Christ, if you receive that, it should change you. Amen? The key to unwrapping God's present is getting this revelation. This is my final verse I want to give you. This is a key one. Because it's what we're to do in this world. Romans 5 verse 17 says, For if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who do what? Receive abundance of grace and of the what? Gift of righteousness will do what? Reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So let me connect the dots here. So we receive a gift to reign in life. Let me say that again. So we receive a gift to reign in life. Let me say that again. So we receive a gift to reign in life. We receive a gift to reign in life. We receive a gift to reign in life. Does it say heaven there? When does salvation come, ladies and gentlemen? In heaven or when you receive? Are you getting this? Man, when I got this, I was just like, hallelujah. And I'm not one of those hallelujah types. Remember, I run people over in my metal coffin. Get out of my way. Because I know me. And I have piggy tendencies. But I receive a gift and I reign in life. And the more I got revelation, the more I obey. Instead of tithing because I have to, I tithe because I want to. And God gives me more. When I pray now, it's not a work in a religious form to make God bless me like a vending machine. I praise Him and He gives me more. Woo! I'm screaming because I'm excited. (laughs) Because this has been on me. And you know, it's interesting... Uh, it seems like when I get these kind of messages just brewing in me, I mean, we have technical issues at the beginning. I mean, it's like all hell does not want me to shout it from the rooftops. I'm not perfect. But God, I got revelation that God wants me to reign in life. And when my circumstances are contrary to reigning in life, I have a choice. I can work my religious formula and tell God, well, I've been a good boy. I've done all these things. I deserve it. Then is it a gift? 
No. But I can say, God, I've been naughty in this area. But I, I know by grace you can change me. Lord, show me where there's revelation. Do you think a good God wants to hold out on you? If you're in lack and don't have a job, do you really think God wants you unemployed? Absolutely not. That's not raining. If, if cancer is lying to you, you tell it to go back to hell where it came from. Jesus wants us healed and redeemed to be a blessing. And here's the part that really got me. I thought... My testimony came when I got the blessing. Then I can tell them, everybody that, I'm, that God has done a work in me. God got me to start testifying of his goodness before the manifestation of it ever happened. Thank you, God, for Life Church before I became a pastor. Thank you, God, that you've, you've set me free from financial bondage, even though I've got $10,000 worth of credit card bills and creditors calling me morning, noon, and night. Amen. Thank you, God, Daddy, that that's your bill. I made the mess, but you can have it, and I'm going to reap what I don't deserve because it's a gift which is going to cause me to change. And now, guess what? I have a good budget. God changes our thinking. If you're always toiling to fix it in the natural, there's no super coming. But when you allow God to supernaturally supercharge you, things happen. That's why I get excited, because we were born to reign. I didn't say that I give my kids everything that they want, right? But I give them everything they need. And I would say this, like a good father, and our father in heaven is even better. He's going to give you more than you need. Why? To help propagate his kingdom, to tell them that they're here to rule and reign in, in this world. That's a message that a lot of times people don't want to hear in church. I don't know, Ryan, that sounds a lot like prosperity to me. You preaching that health and wealth doctrine? Is that what you're preaching? Let me tell you something. Here's, I'm, maybe I'm a dumb chicken, I don't know. I just know that if I'm not eating, that's not good. And if I'm eating, that's good, amen? If I'm healthy, that's good. And if I'm not healthy, I need to resist that unhealthiness, Right? My daddy bought that for me 2,000 years ago. Thank you, Jesus. I receive it. It's done. And now I rest. That's it. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Father in heaven, this is your word. I gave it. I believe that you'll perform it. You're faithful to watch over your word to perform it. It's the revelation that I knew I needed in my life to break free of the addictions and the toil of working out Christianese in my life. Father, I break the toil of being a Christian that is trying to earn your blessing and favor, the free gift, as we unwrap Jesus in the miracle of what you did. You, you got into our muck and our mess, and you gave us grace radically. You want our hearts to obey, but we don't know how to. We were dead in our sin. We were dead. <laughs> as, I, as I grow in your grace, the more I realize, the less I deserve, the more I'm thankful, the more I receive, and the more I receive, the more you give. Hallelujah. And Lord, I ask for that revelation to be imparted on each and every heart today. Help them not to be resistant to it, but receive it like a little child. And as they're getting through the going through, and I don't know when, I don't know how their circumstances will change. Here's what I know. They will change. 
Father, in Jesus' name, right now, I ask that if you're dealing with hearts here who've been closed off to the true essence of who Jesus really is, God made flesh, and they've been resistance to the call of God on their life, they've been resistance to even saying yes to a relationship, I ask right now, in Jesus' name, with heads bowed and eyes closed, raise that hand right now. Raise it right now. Don't wait a second. If there's anyone in here that needs to say yes, say it. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Thank you. Back over there. You are the most precious person in the earth today because Jesus is rejoicing because you're receiving that, his goodness. He is a good God. Thank you, Father. Let's pray this prayer. Father in heaven, I receive. I receive. I receive your grace, your forgiveness for my sin. I receive your grace over my finances. I receive your grace for my healing. I receive your grace for my emotional healing. I receive your grace in my relationships. And I purpose to enter your rest. And in God's power, I receive. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you receive that? Amen. I'm done. Did you guys receive that? Have a great week. Let's be good receivers and we'll see you next week.